Welcome to the ministry of Mercy Seek Ministries and evangelist Pat and Karen Jackson. We believe that the message you are about to hear will mightily change your life. Open your heart, mind, and spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. We must declare it to the next generation. Today I'm making it pretty practical. We're going to talk about some things and make it practical because see, see the will to succeed is important, but, but what's more important is the will to prepare. Uh, and you're going to have to understand that if you ever want to be what you have dreamed about, guess what? God's just not going to pick you up in your old uh, 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 empty self and with your empty messages and your empty altars. And now he's going to place you in a position where now people are going to clap for you and applaud you. Bottom line is, is too, when you do stand up here and people do admire you, they're not admiring you, they're admiring the anointing that is there. So it's really not you is really getting any applause. God's getting applause. So don't t ever take it personal that you're the big deal because you're not the big deal. Because I've seen too many where God's hand just lifts off of and you can have 30 years of ministry and then bam, in one day it's gone. It's just that quick that you lose everything that you have worked for. It's just that easy to do that. Now, uh, I shared with you, I, I, I said something yesterday. I didn't, I was, I didn't know I was going to say it, but I talked about Nehemiah 8.8. 8. In Nehemiah 8.8, 8, it says this here. We'll just start with this, and I'll share a few things. It says that they read from the book of the law. I don't know if you've ever seen this scripture. read from the book of the law, and they clearly explained the meaning of what was read, helping the people understand each passage. So your job and my job is to read this book, and we are to explain it to people, and we are to help them understand the passage. That's what we're to do. So we are communicators of a book. We, we have to break it down. That's part of what we do. Uh, go ahead and uh, Timothy here. Then it says this, that you're going to have to work hard. Uh, uh, work is going to be part of this. If you, you, know, uh, you want to see uh, one day, come see my files or come see my notes, come see my library, um, I tell my, I tell my uh, kids, I tell all my pastors, I said, you need to study. Uh, it's not just with acute personality. Uh, I've gone to enough meetings around the world where I've seen the slickest youth pastors and youth leaders and youth evangelists speak. I've been on a platform at conferences with them, and as slick as can be, stories as sharp as can be, people are laughing and the altars are empty. Nobody's there and there's no power to it. It was very entertaining. It was cute, it was nice, it was something, and it was kind of a trend that's happening with that, that we're copying that. And uh, that's why I just, with Charisma, I just wrote a book on, on Christianity Light. It tastes great, but it's less filling. So we, that'll be coming out in January. So it says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. So it's one thing to get people's approval, but it's one thing also to get God's approval. I want God to be pleased with me. I want Him to be happy with me. And there are a couple times in my life where I came to the place where I said, you know what, it doesn't matter if I ever speak anywhere, do anything, anybody even knows my name, but I want to stand before you, and I want you to say, well done to me. That's really, that was a genuine thing. I really wanted that. I'm just, you got to get to the point where you're not enamored with anything you do. You can't be enamored with it. It says, be a good worker. Everything's work. Everything's work. One who does not need to be ashamed. One who correctly explains the word. Well, how do you complex? If you don't study, how are you going to explain it? All right, let's do this. Um, open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to Genesis. Let's just let's start. Who wants who wants to uh, preach to me? Who wants to learn how to preach? 
Who wants, who wants to maybe, uh, I'll, I'll share, so let's just talk about this, about explaining the Word of God. I've never done, I can do this on a small, you know, with a couple people here. I haven't done it with a crowd like this. Let's just open the Bible and look. Who wants to uh, read some scripture and explain it a little bit? Anybody? Nate, you want to do it? Nate will do it here since he's a, what's wrong? Wait, wait, wait a second. This is kind of scary here, knowing we've got a whole room full of preachers and nobody wants to do it. No, I called on Nate. Sit down. So he's like, Nate will do it. Guys, listen. Hey, we're going to have to lay it out here. You guys want to get better, you're going to have to be coached. And when you get coached, if you've ever been on any athletic team, they don't mess around. Here's the deal. You want to play junior high ball, then you can play around, and your coach is not going to be real good because they're probably not getting paid. High school, they're going to be slash PE teacher, and then on the sideline, they're going to give them 300 bucks a month to go ahead and coach high school. You go to college, you have a different level. You go to pro, you have a different level. It depends on what level you want to play and what level you want to be scrutinized with. Now, see, here's the deal with me. I'm in a war. I realize, really, there is a war going on, and we are fighting not flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. That's not a cute statement. That's a real deal. There are lives that are being destroyed, and we are sitting back trying to figure out and trying to be buddies and Facebooking, and we got people we don't even know our neighbor's name. So you and I have to realize we are in a war right here, and we're not playing around with this. We've got to populate heaven and depopulate hell. That is what our job is. Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the devil. i got to ask myself, what am I doing to destroy the works of the devil? Anybody here? I don't care if you like me. It doesn't matter if you like me or not. That's not what I'm here to do is like you. But I'm here to irritate you. I know that. I want to I irritate you to the point that you start challenging yourself and you think about this. You want to do something great, then you're going to have to get in better shape. You could do something great, you're going to have to study more. It's going to, it's going to be work, guys. It's not easy. God just does not raise people up and put them on platforms because that new level, new devil thing is not a cute term. It's a real term. There's a whole new level of attack you'll move into. See, what you, I just shared you, 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 maybe a third of the stuff that I have gone through just the other day. I mean, this is a serious business to me. Two times, I had pulmonary embolism six years ago. Blood clots on my lungs. I was supposed to die. Two years ago, I have 95% blockage in my heart. I'm to die. Have heart attack. Here it is. I'm in shape. Still play racquetball. Do things. Die. Why? Because the devil's trying to basically move me out because of what I'm doing. If you move up in the level that you dream about, you better be prepared and reinforced or he'll take you down real quick. That's what I'm saying. I want to see you make it because I don't want to see any more friends go ahead and bail out and fall and dance with Delilah and be the public success and private failure. I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see us live with integrity, not on our performance of preaching, but to live with integrity in our life because the anointing doesn't keep you from sin. Do you understand that? The anointing comes on you and lifts from you. It says that what happened to Jesus. It came upon him to set the captives free, to let the blind to see, those that in prison doors open up, but that isn't what he walked by faith. He walked by listening to his father. You have to live by integrity. And it's sad we don't choose people in ministry based on that because we want you to go and preach and then we're going to vote on you. All you voted on was the anointing. You didn't vote on integrity. And the Bible says in Psalm, did you shepherd the people based on the integrity of your heart, not by the anointing. You understand? We applaud anointing, but that's not what God applauds because it's His. It's not mine. 
but integrity you walk with every day. And that's really what's going to help you last. Uh, I see guys that are five years, and everybody's great. Everybody wants to copy them, but we're not talking about five years. We're talking about doing it 50 years. And for you to be able to carry on what you're doing at every phase, wherever you go, you can kick devil butt wherever you go. It's not a matter of this is my problem, this is my problem. You, wherever you go, you're able to do it wherever. It's not location. It's just you are there. Well, God's not here. He is if he's in you. He's there now. So that means that you can push back. You can deal with these things. Maybe I just need to be trained. Maybe I just need to get some more in me to bow up to be able to take on an enemy that's bigger than me. All right? What, what did the Bible? The Bible talked about, can we just talk a little bit as I'm just kind of freelancing? I'm freelancing. I'm, is that what you do? And uh, Saul had a tormenting spirit come on him, right? He had a tormenting spirit come on him. But at first it said the spirit left. Spirit left, tormenting spirit comes, and two of the things it said tormenting spirit brings is depression and fear. So if I have a tormenting spirit, which the devil is bothering me, then you know what? I kind of wonder if the spirit has left. Now, the thing's unusual that worship then kind of soothed the thing. As, David, as you know, David played, you know the story. David played, and the tormenting spirit then would leave. The thing about it is most of the church is like Saul. I'll explain to you why. Most of us go to church, in a sense, and our people come to church, and they feel better in our services, don't they? They feel good in our services. All that is is that the tormenting spirit has left. It's, been, it's departed, but it's not been removed. So the spirit can leave, but it comes back again because it happened to Saul over and over and over and over and over again. Happens to our people over and over again because we've got to pull them to a place of transformation. My preaching's not going to do that, but I've got to get an altar where they can do that. And God's got to change them. He's got to change their lives. So you can see that. Now, what does the world do? The world basically does, uh, the tormenting spirit deals with it by parties, deals with it with drugs, deals with it with movies. We go, ah, I can't take it anymore. Hey, let's just go to the game. And then that tormenting spirit's not there, but as soon as it's over, it comes back again. So listen, guys, uh, in our lives here, we're dealing with people that are tormented. We're dealing with people that are attacked. And so, so we, don't need any, we don't need any soft things to go through there and do it. Now, listen. I, I'm, uh, Pat can tell you, I'm, I, I can do humor, and I do the funny thing, and I do that. But I'm not, dealing with, I'm not dealing with my church. I'm dealing with people that are getting ready for a game. You're getting ready. You're in, you're in the stadium, and you're getting ready to go out. And I don't see coaches laughing. I don't see anybody fooling around. I see game face on because they're getting ready to go to war. Every time you go out there, you're dealing with the craziest things in the world and all kinds of the cutting. I've got, I've got more razor blades. I've got more knives on the wall. I've got more gang. I've got more weapons. If I keep a bag that I have that I get every year from different meetings and altar calls, I'd get arrested because of all the dope, all the drugs, all the stuff that I have. Pat's seen it. I've got bags of this stuff. I, I, I'm not interested in, in talking to people about the second coming when I have a whole world that hadn't heard about his first coming. Okay, so this is what I'm going to have Nate do. Now, Nate doesn't, didn't know. I, there's no setup here. It's just a matter of just reading, reading the Word. And I want you to read it, too. And then, and then Nate, I want you to just kind of look at it and just tell me what you read and kind of what you see. And if you were preaching this, all I want to do is kind of share with you maybe a way to look at the Word and maybe pick some things out, look at some things. Is that okay that we do this? All right, go, go ahead. Just start on start in, uh, verse 1. Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, we'll start reading. In the beginning, God created. And then you stop anytime you want to. You expound upon it. You're preaching it. So you're going to preach this right now. So you can sit down and do it. That's fine. But you, you, or if you want to stand up, you feel better. Go ahead, stand up. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit down. 
Okay, you're pretty. Now, he didn't study this or anything, and here's Nate's a young guy. It's not, I mean, some of you guys have been in ministry a lot longer than him. So, I mean, Nate's going to just share whatever he feels. So, you, just share um, one through three. Just, we'll just start in the beginning of the Bible. Just read. Okay. Go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so from the beginning, even before, even before any of us were here, even before any creation was here, the Spirit of God was already here. And so even as we come before the Spirit of God, even as we call on Him today, we have to know that He didn't just show up. He wasn't just here. He didn't just show up because we're here. He's been here since before. And so we are, we are the strangers who are coming into His Spirit. He is the one who's been here the whole time. We're on his earth. We are on the earth that he created. Okay. Good, Nate. Just kind of throwing it out there. Okay. Here's some things to notice. First thing it says this, that I would pull out. The beginning of uh, God created heavens and, and the earth. So he created the earth, which means that God created land before he made man. So apparently land is important in a sense, and you're going to find out why he made land before man felt that was important then he says this he says darkness covers the earth another word for darkness is chaos when lights are out people are chaotic lights are out so you talk about anytime you see darkness that means chaos so you explain devil comes any place there's chaos it's all messed up darkness and this is what it is this world was full of darkness God said that's not the way I want it so God says let there be light let there be order. So since the beginning of Genesis throughout Revelation, we see that God said there wants to be some darkness. That's what he wants to bring. But God says, I've commanded light to overpower it. So now in your life, if you have any chaos, it's the reason is, is you don't have any light. Because light will bring order to your life. All right? So you look at these things. You start pulling these things out. And the land is important because God begins to talk about seed. And where you seed, you don't seed your funds and seed your stuff into anything. You seed it into the right land. God put Adam and Eve on the right land that he wanted them to be on. So you've got to ask yourself, are you ministering on the right land? Am I seeding on the right land? Because if you don't seed on the right land, it doesn't produce. You making sense? Okay. We can go on and on, but... And then he makes man. Man was the last one he made because everything was all set up. And he said, man, you don't have to do anything else. As you go through, you're starting to think of this. Look at this. Break it down. As you, okay. Let's just go over to, um, let's turn some pages. Where do you want to go? Let's, go? let's go to Genesis. This would be, everybody's read this here. Genesis uh, 11. Let's go, Nate. Give it to somebody else here. Pass it on to somebody else. Who wants, who wants to read Genesis 11? We'll read 31. We'll do this just a few, and then I'll share with you a little bit. Genesis 31. Anybody else want to read a little bit and, and, and just kind of, just it's okay. This, we're all learning. Yeah, we just, we, hey, it doesn't matter what you say. I, I, I want to help maybe kind of go a little bit deeper. Let's see what we can point out and what we can bring out that would be interesting because all of us are communicators, right? That's what we want to do. Okay, so read Genesis, and, and anytime you want to stop when you're reading it, any word, anything at all, then you go ahead and stop. Now, I have a new living. I don't know what your translation. What NIV. do you have? You have a new living? NIV. Oh, NIV? Okay. Okay. Uh, why don't you read uh, uh, Genesis 11. We'll start at verse 31, and then we'll go through a couple scriptures in 12. 11:31. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Terah took his son Abraham, Abram 
his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Here's my question is, why did he stop? Mm -hmm. So how are you going to explain it? I, I, I would say this, is that God's called us to go to a place. He's called us to leave one place and go to another place. Right. And if we're not careful, we'll settle for the first place that we come to rather than going all the way to where God's called us to go. Why would you settle and not go all the way? I got comfortable. Maybe there was things there in that land that made my life a little bit more comfortable. I got Wouldn't tired you say of the most journey. churches at one time build buildings and then they're empty? They did start out, but they somehow they settled? Yep. What causes us to settle then? I might want to find that out. Because isn't that what our people do? They settle? They get saved, they start out, but all of a sudden they stop for some reason. Okay, this is something that I need to explain to them why. So I think that way. So I'm thinking, yeah, they did settle. They stopped. They were supposed to go between two cities. They were supposed to go Dallas to Houston, but they stopped halfway is what they did. They stopped halfway, and they started admiring how far they have left. But that wasn't God's promise. God's promise says, I want you to go to Houston, but you stopped halfway and settled. So half obedience is disobedience. So you're disobedient in what you're doing. So you didn't do it. Now, also in that, you've got to look at Old Testament words mean something. Okay? Tirah means delay. Haran is a dry place. So now for 205 years, they are delayed in a dry place. How many churches are delayed in a dry place? If you ever travel, you preach at them and you're just shocked. How can you even function at a church? Please save God some electricity money. Shut the lights off. Go, get out of here because you're not doing anything. You have settled and you have stopped short of what God wants you to do. All a denominational name on a church tells you and I is where they stopped. You look at the name and we know exactly in our mind where that stopped. Where they stopped, they, what, what part of the book they not, don't want to read. We know that. We can see that. So in this here, they are delayed in a dry place. So all of a sudden at one time, I'm thinking they used to be horsepower and now they're cargo. They used to be movers, but now they are settled. Now they're not doing anything. Now they're not moving forward. Now they're not accomplishing anything. You're either going to be a problem or you're going to solve a problem. That's the only two places you're going to live in life. All right, so now let's just pick up here. So the 205 years, Abram's delayed with his dad there in a dry place. Nothing's happening. They're short of their promise. What happens, dad dies in Haran, and then it picks up right there in Genesis 12.1. Let's go and read that. Yeah. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Okay. Tell me about that. It's a faith journey. God's going to call you to leave where you are and go to a place that you may not know where it is. You may not know what it's going to look like, but you have to walk by faith and determine that you're going to follow him regardless of whether you can identify it right now or not. You see, nothing we say is going to be wrong. It's all good. That's all good. Okay, my eyes go to the words relative and relatives and family. So what it's telling me is that he's moving from the familiar to the unfamiliar. So I'm taking a journey from what I'm used to with my family and all my kinfolks and what I've always been involved with and the church I've always grown up in. And God's telling me to go on a journey and you're going to have to leave some of these things because I'm taking you to a new place that's going to be totally different than anything you've ever seen in the past. Okay? 
So you look for those words. It's, it's right in there. It, you know, it says it. So, so you pick and see, every, nothing's, nothing is by mistake in our book. You know that. There's not a mistake in here. So, so I need to make sure that I am dissecting these words here. Uh, he said, leave. The uh, thing is, as Abraham did, but he's leaving the familiar area. He's leaving what he's used to. And he's moving to something that he doesn't even know. But by his obedience, then let's read verse 2. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Mm -hmm. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Anybody want to say anything about that? See, I already went on. I went on a pretty good, I got a pretty good word from God right there. Mm-hmm. I got a big old word from God. I mean, I've been sitting there doing nothing, and all of a sudden, he's going to make me a great nation. Wow, drop that in my heart. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. That's what Pat was just saying a little while ago. Won't you let God make you famous? You don't need to worry about that. You will be a blessing to others. So I'm going to bless. That's where the bless you to bless others comes from that we talk about. God's going to bless you so you can bless others. So you know what? It's very selfish for you to ever pray just for you oh lord i just pray that you help me get a raise i just pray that you help me god says no nah, i don't want to do that i'll help you get a raise so you can help somebody else but see we have a lot of selfish prayers that just includes us and we got to be very careful of praying those selfish prayers because god says i want to bless you and make you famous he didn't just stop there but he said i'm gonna do that so you can bless others so everything in our life is to flow through us and not stop with you. And when it stops with you, you get clogged and you get constipated spiritually. All right. All right, let's go to three here. We'll just read a couple more scriptures and just, just get an idea here what we're talking about. Verse will, three, yeah. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Okay, what does that say? Huh? Pat, what does that say? You want to grab the mic right there. Now that says to me. That I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curse you. And you shall all have families of the earth shall be blessed. And what it says to me is there's a generational blessing that camps around you. What's in me, if I do it right, will be on my children. He'll give it to me if he can get it through me. If God can trust you with the anointing, that's how the stage opens up. That's how the windows open up. Because when you want it, you don't get it. When you get it, you didn't really want it. That's what God does. He takes you through that molting season, that season in the cave where you just want him and he opens those doors. But what it says to me right there, Pastor, is that he says, I can reproduce you for the next generation. Our kids don't have to backslide. My children don't have to hate ministry someday because it's a generational blessing. He won't have to fight the giants I fought. Micah Berto, who's leading a youth movement at a young age, has just picked up from his father. Jeremy Johnson, who's leading a movement in L.A. Christy Johnson, worth dying for. Uh, that's all right there. One of these things that I do for, that I did when I was with those guys out in Modesto many times, I've taken them by my side off in the corner and said, do you understand that you're not walking in your own anointing? You understand that Glenn Berto plowed them, and each one of them we've met privately will go eat. I helped work dying for many times, go to the next level. And I said, but guys, understand, honor what you came from. In other words, what I got out of that is generational blessing. God says, I can take it past you. Okay. What else you get out of that is this, and that's right, you get the generational, but it's saying that, okay, I'm sending you, I got to go back to what Genesis 1 said. 
He's taken me on a journey. Everything's connected. So I'm on a journey. As you're on this journey, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless those that bless you. He says, I will curse those that curse you, meaning don't go ahead and worry about people getting blessed. Don't worry about people cursing you. I'll take care of them. You just stay on the journey and stay where I'm taking you. Because he's saying, I'll take care of that. I'll take their, those, if they're blessing you, I'll bless them. If they curse you, don't turn around and have to deal with it. You stay on the direction and, the, and what I've called you to do. Don't turn around and have to worry about it. I'll worry about it for you. Okay? Don't put four up there. Just leave four off. We'll just read four. Read, read four. Yeah, verse four. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Okay, that's enough. What is that saying? There's people on the journey that God's called, to long, called us to bring with yeah, us. Yeah, you can put up, put up on four here. Put four here. Uh, go ahead and do that. So who invited Lot to go is my question. See, I'm reading this. He departed, and as the Lord spoke to him, he obeyed, and then Lot went with him. Lot didn't get an invitation. Uh, some of you have problems in your ministry because you've invited Lot to come into your vision and your dream. You've allowed somebody to come because you felt if you're going to fail, you want somebody else with you. If you don't make it, you're going to have somebody else with you because I guarantee if you knew you were successful, you'd want to do it by yourself. But what happens here is that Lot is that person that didn't receive the call. He didn't talk to Lot. You're the one God spoke to you. He, spoke, he didn't speak to your friends. He didn't speak to your, your buddies. He didn't speak to your, your, who you grew up with. He spoke to you, and you got to be very careful who goes on this next journey and this next vision that God has given you. Because you could easily, in this situation, you bring a person like Lot alone, that's going to be the biggest headache of your whole life. And if you've ever been in ministry, all of us can tell you we've allowed this to happen at times where we should have said, Lot, you got to stay home on this trip. You can't come with me on this. I love you, but this isn't for you this time. Be careful who you bring and connect to your vision and to your dream. Because Lot was the biggest problem in the world for Abraham later on, as you know that. So it goes on and on. So, so we can look. See, in Revelation 1.16, it talks about that out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. Now, what that means is a two-edged sword means a twice-spoken word is what it means. It's a twice-spoken word. So this book is a once-spoken word, but when I speak it, it's a twice-spoken word. So you need to know this book. You don't need to constantly just listen to preachers preach. You need to know what this book says so you can have some depth to your messages. Because you can only tell, you can tell stories in cotton candy long enough. All your stories are to enhance this book and this word is what it does. That's why I use them, you use them. But if all they remember is my story when they left and they don't remember the God of the story, then I didn't hit the mark. I want them to remember God. I don't care if they remember me. It makes no difference if they remember you. We've got to take this seed and we've got to plow it into their heart before they leave. Why? Because the devil says, I'm going to steal it as soon as they come out the building. I'm going to do my best. So if you don't dig it down, what I'm saying is this. If you take a message, here's, a, here's how I preach. Um, I like series. I'll preach series uh, because you can build on that. And people actually get excited about don't Don't just hit, 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 hit. They don't like that. Uh, you, you lose people. But you, you can keep them on a series. Uh, and in preaching, I look at my sermon 
from beginning to end, and if I can't give the title of my message any time in my message, then I veered off course. You understand what I'm saying? So as you're preaching, you whatever you call the name of your message, whatever you want to call it, winning the loss, and then you're okay, you got winning the loss. If you can't ever, if you can't say winning the loss at any time, or tell the people say winning the loss, and it makes sense to them, then you're just, I don't know what you're doing. You're, you're, you're here, you're there, you're everywhere. And when you're that way, you're not on point where you can drill something in their heart. There are people that can remember messages. If I go to Australia, I'll have somebody 12 years ago that can remember messages. 12 years, uh, 9 years ago, can remember what I said in a message because that title or that point was, was mentioned over and over. I hear people give a title, and I don't even know what, the, what, I can't, I, I, what was the title about. The title it had nothing to do with the message. What I'm saying is everything's got to connect because you're into communicating. I want to communicate to you. I want to make sure that you get this, so I want to be able to share this. I want you to understand that. Yes, use the stories. I use the stories, too. I mean, you see, here I am fighting an MMA fighter. You know, I'll do whatever, but I've got a scripture sitting up there of explaining it like, oh, that makes sense now. I understand it. So be as creative as you can be, but don't let the creativity and the lights overshadow where the money is. Here's your money right here. You know, Vegas has a lot of lights, but they still have the slot machine to make some money. Hadn't changed. Changed the lights, but no, same old things made them money 30, 40 years ago, still slot machine. This thing still works. Generations can change. You can, you can put, you got the screens, you can do everything, but don't go ahead and diminish this and go ahead and get involved to just telling stories about a lot of things and it's just shallow, it's, it, there's no depth. And I'm gonna tell you something, when your young people get attacked, they don't have anything to hold on to. It's your fault, it's not their fault, it's your fault. It's my fault. I've got to teach them, I've got to get into it. I am showing scriptures, I show scriptures on the screen, I explain these scriptures, I put them up there and do it. All right, let's do this. I'll show you, uh, I'll, do, I'll, I'll give it to you the fast way. Is that okay if I do it real fast? I'll do it fast. I, I appreciate the amens and the shouts. and the, it, it reminds me of a lot of youth groups. Are, did you get any yourself? No. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Anybody get anything out of it? I mean, uh, you know. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do this real quick. Let me show you something that, that uh, my staff, my staff that I have, and let me just tell you this. I, there's so many. Th th this is the thing that's confusing. Because there's no way, I sit down for three days, I have this thing of discipleship of 12, and guys come in from around the country, and I'm able to sit with them for three days, and it's like two years of Bible college, because I'm giving them principles and telling them ideas uh, and, and saying vision. If I asked you, if I, we had a whole thing here, I could say, write your vision down, and as you show me your vision, I'd show you where you don't know what you're doing. I'd, t I'd show you where, because see, are you really fulfilling everything? Are you seeing everything that you dreamed about? Then why not? Okay, somebody's got to help you find out why not. And that's what, that's what people do in the world. Why can't we have Christian people do that? So, so what I do in my church, I sit in the press box. I call plays is what I do. I'm able to see the field, call the plays, and everything I do has a purpose. I don't just have meetings just that, oh, I, got, woo, I got, got through another meeting. That meeting has a purpose to push my vision further. Everything you do has to be connected to push what you're dreaming about, what God showed you, to go forward. So what is it? You don't have to pray about what you need to start. You need to really ask God for the things you need to stop. What do you need to stop that's not working? Stop some of these things. I went to a place in Canada, and the guy had about, about 30 ministries and, and, only had a, and didn't have anybody in his church. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, you know, we got all of it. And it, it had it on a thing showing all of his ministries. 
you know, but nobody, I said, well, cut it down to four ministries. Cut all these things out. Stop, because you're not good at any of them. You know, get something that you're really good at and, and really do that and do it well. Uh, so many things. If you don't have leaders, you can't do anything. If you don't have the ability to raise up leaders, you never grow big. You can't, you can't grow. You got to have leaders. I don't care how great you are as a pulpiteer. I don't care how great you are expounding. It doesn't matter who you are. If you can't duplicate yourself, then you'll never build a base to be able to go ahead and see a, a, a big minister or see your dream come to pass. And then the point is, is if we had 100 of you, is that going to be good or bad? If we duplicated you, are we going to get mad at each other or what? Are we not going to like each other? So you got to look at yourself. We made you over and over again. Is that a pretty thing or an ugly thing? So that means i got to really examine. That's why the Bible says lamentation. i got to examine myself. i got to really look at myself and saying, Am I, do I really have something that I want to deposit in somebody's life that if they do that, they look more like Christ rather than like me? All right? Is everybody okay, you okay with this? All right, let, let me show you something real quick here. This is something that, that I, I teach my leaders. Uh, let's go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Let's do that, man. And I, I'm going to have to go through this quick here. Okay, let me, let me read this to you. It says, the kingdom of heaven. Somebody say kingdom of heaven. Okay, now, okay, there's a word that, that how many of you know that's confusing to the church people? It's confusing the ministers. What is kingdom of heaven? What is kingdom of heaven? We don't know what that is. What is, king, is the, the kingdom? What is the kingdom? So we read this, and it's a, it's a churchy term. It's a religious term. It's a Bible term. Uh, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? You know, our Father one in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What, what, is, what is coming? Kingdom of God. Kingdom simply means God's way of doing things. Seek ye first kingdom of God. Seek ye first what? God's way of doing things. Our Father one in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, what kingdom? God's way of doing things. So a simple way for your church to understand, every time you read kingdom, then read, uh, this is God's way of doing things. So when I see that, now I have a heightened awareness that I'm getting into the mind of God. I'm learning now how he thinks and how he does things. So that, now, now my attention is up. My antenna is up right here. And this is the old story. You know this, so I'm taking a story that you all know, but I don't know if you picked out or seen what you see, and I want you to get used to maybe doing this when you're reading. can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and trusted his money. Okay, I put resources to accomplish the master's wish wishes. That's what he was. You're going to get resources to accomplish what he wants you to do. And, and, and to them while he was gone. He gave it to them, and then he left. Go ahead. He gave. So God gives. You know the story. He gave five bags of silver to one, two to one, one bag to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. So quit complaining about what somebody else has and what you don't have. God is the one that plants and gives according to your ability. Well, I know we all think our abilities are great and way beyond what we can imagine because we all think more of ourselves than we really are. And so we think that we should have more, but God's the one that gives us out. And then he leaves on a trip. He passes out. So meaning this, we have five we have big church, five talent churches, four talent churches, two talents. We have one talent. We got all these different people, all these different abilities, all these different giftings, and God passes these out to all, no matter who you are. Okay, watch. Go ahead. The servant who received the five bag of silver began to invest the money, and he earned. Somebody say earned. So it wasn't just give it to him. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to spend a lot of days doing it, not just working on time, but you got to find, are you doing something with those hours? The money he earned, and he earned five more. So you know what? He worked. He got something. He did something with what he received. Watch. Keep going. Go. The servant with two bags of silver went and worked. He earned two more. Okay, go. 
But the servant we know who received the one bag of silver, he got something from the Lord, and what he did, he hid it in the ground. So he's going to save it because he has fear that he's going to lose it. See, so I don't want to step out. See, anybody that's probably a small, small ministry is one that's a faithless ministry in a sense that, not derogatory, but it's a matter of you're scared to step out because you're scared of this thing of failure. Let me just let you know this, is that you are going to fail. You're not going to see everything you do blow up. But everything you do, you will learn from it. And if you get wisdom, how do you learn? You learn by making mistakes, and that's how you get wise. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 8.5 that a wise man discerns time and judgment. So if I have wisdom, it's one of the greatest things I can have. That's what Solomon said. That's the greatest thing you could have asked for. That's tremendous that you did this. Now, since you didn't ask for fame and money, then I'm going to give you fame and money because you asked for wisdom. And he says, I'll give you. And he said, but wisdom is time and judgment. Time and judgment. When do I do something? How do I do something? So I get something from God. Now I don't just implement it. I have to pray. When do I do it? How do I do it? Let me get all the information I can before I convey it to our people. So he, he hides it. We know the story. Go. After a long time, so the master wants to come back and check on us, see how we're doing. He's going to check on us, see how we're doing in the ministry here to give an account. We all have to give an account. You're called to work with people. You decided to go ahead and say, hey, I'll sign up. I'm in this thing. So you know what? You're going to have to show what you did. It's not going to be forgotten. God wants you to give an account. Watch, 20. The servant in whom he trusted five bags came forward, five more. He said, Master, you gave. He said, you gave me something. Somebody said, you gave. See, God gave you something. Believe it or not, he still gave you something. Quit complaining he didn't give you more than another because it's according to your ability. Where's your ability come from? It's how you've been responsible with what he's already given you. If you haven't been that responsible, then you're still having small. But if you showed yourself responsible, he'll give you more. He's going to say that in a minute. But you gave me this, and he said, I have five more. So I, you gave me this, but then again, I went ahead and worked hard, and I did it. And there's nothing greater than God working through you, seeing your ministry grow. You know, God, God did this. He gave me this, and then he helped me do it. Okay, watch. So then, then, then he says this. Now watch the terminology. The master was full of praise. Well done instead of undone. My good and faithful, a faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount of things. So, so now we'll give you many more responsibilities. If you're complaining about your responsibilities now, why should you get more? If you're complaining about, oh, God told me to do this, and I wish I had enough time, I'm part-time, I'm this, I got this to do, and all this, why would God go and frustrate you and hang a carrot in front of your face if you didn't have the time to do it? So apparently you're disorganized. That's all I'm saying. You're disorganized, and you've got to organize and discipline your life to be able to do what you're called to do. Quit complaining if you have more time. If you have more time, you're going to be more disorganized. That's all it means. Okay? Okay, you're going to have more. So let's celebrate. Let's party. All right, watch this. So the servant who received the bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two. Well, that's a smaller church. One was five, smaller church. Probably a bigger church is going to get more praise. Uh, he said, I've earned two more. Well, what happens is the Lord tells them the same thing. 23, go ahead. He tells them the exact same thing he told the five. So you're not any greater of a smaller church accomplishing what God gave you than a bigger church that does something even bigger. If you use what you have to do what you do with what he's put in your hand, you're just as great as anybody that has some major ministry. You understand? This is in God's eyes. Who cares what they think? In God's eyes. Because it's what he says. Well done. Faith, exact same thing. You've been faithful in handling small amounts. I will give you more responsibilities. So now you're going to move. Say, so let's party. All right, next. 
So the servant with the wands comes, Master, I heard you a harsh man. Where did that come from? I don't know. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate, which sounds like a miracle there. Uh, so what he does this, it gives the reason. He says, oh, I was afraid. I'm afraid, I was, I'm, afraid I'm going to lose. Saul's whole army with David, uh, with Goliath. Uh, we're going to lose. I'm afraid we're going to lose. But David didn't think that way. I was afraid. It's the biggest problem we have in ministry, I'm afraid. We don't want to admit that, but we're really afraid to step out and, uh, and to, to do the things. I mean, I'm stepping out in a place right now. We have 17% unemployment in my city, and I'm building a $5.5 million kids building with the expanding our fitness center in $5.5 million, and I got basically poverty where I live. We're the only person building something in town. It's like a miracle we're building something. I don't know how we're doing it. But, I, but, but God gave me the title deed. He gave me a title deed. He gave me the faith, the title deed, that this is what we're going to do, and somehow it's going to happen. It means somebody's going to have to make some money. Somebody's going to get blessed. That's what it means. Somebody who, who in my church wants to get blessed? God's going to bless somebody because God's got to give you the money because this is God's dream. It's not me. I'm not carrying this. This is God's dream. You're going to have to make some money to do this. So God, who, who wants to make money? Okay. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. See, some of us, you know what, we, we kind of, we, we think we're called to maintain. We're not hurting, not helping, we're just kind of there. No, 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 you've been called to grow. You've been called to grow. You have been. You've been called to grow. Don't get, don't get upset about larger ministries and stuff like this and, oh, they have an attitude. They don't have an attitude. They really don't have an attitude. I don't have any attitude, and we have a massive church. I don't have any attitude at all. There's nothing there at all that I wouldn't want to help anybody in my city, help them and tell them and do what I can and do the. But see, but see, I find there's so much fear in people stepping out, they won't do anything. Get rid of your fear. It's paralyzing you. It paralyzes your vision to step out. You have to take a step where there's no step. That's what faith means. There is no step. But I'm trusting. I'm believing. And then once you do this a few times, guess what? It becomes normal and you become a man of faith. Now is something you walk in faith. I got to believe for I don't know how much money, how many millions a year to pay bills and do all of this. I don't know what people are going to give every week, but I don't lose any sleep. All I know to do is I'm going to win souls. I'm going to feed people. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do human trafficking. We're going to do all this stuff. We're going to help. And you know what, God, you're going to have to, I don't know how, I can't figure it out. But I'm, I'm going to keep going and doing what your word says. And you said if I keep doing this, you'll keep blessing. And that's what's happening. Okay, let me go quick. I know. So he hit it. Go. Uh, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you want to hide it. Now, here's a servant. We're talking about a servant. Could be a minister. I don't know. It's a servant. You're wicked and you're lazy. You're lazy because you didn't do anything with what I gave you. Now, understand what I'm telling you. This is the Lord's word. I just want to remind you, this isn't me telling you this. I'm reading it, and that's why I wanted to put it up here because it's pretty straight. We don't hear things like this in the Bible, but it's there. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant, gather crops I didn't cultivate, 27, why didn't you deposit the money? Do something. Plant it someplace. At least I could have gotten something back. At least get something. Okay, watch. It's going to be strong here. Get ready. It's Jesus. He said, so he ordered. He said, take the money from the little church and give it to the big church. Take the one and give it to the one with ten bags. And some of you look at the church is like, why? They don't need anything. Look at it. Look at this place. Do they need any more money? Why is somebody going to dump some money into this place? Because they have everything already. Because if they gave it to you, you wouldn't know what to do with it. 
Because what you had before in the little, you did nothing with it. So why is God, why are you going to invest in a stock that's been going down for 10 years? And I'm going to pile some money into you and believe you're going to turn it around where you've had a 10-year dive in your church? I want to find somebody who's been 10 years growing, and that will be a place to, God's smart. I'm going to plant it in a church that will take what I give them and work and earn and double and triple what I give them. That's what I'm looking for. So if you want to qualify for a donation from God, then get it together. Because it says this. Go ahead. So then to those who are, let's look at this, who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even what little, I don't have much. Well, it's talking about it. They have, it'll be taken away. It's going to be removed. So now throw this highly qualified, highly qualified useless servant into outer darkness. Huh, think he went to hell? I don't, don't want to say that, but kind of looks like it's not a good place you're going to go. You mean to tell me this whole thing is, uh, wow. He puts something in my hand, I lose it. You know what this whole thing's about? Here it is real quick. Here's what this whole parable's about. Go ahead and put the next one up. It's results versus effort. That's what it is. Results versus effort. Look at me, guys. Look. When, when, when God sends a, his son to die on a cross, he's not playing. It's not a game to him. It's not a game to him. And so one day, you and I are going to stand before God. And he's going to ask us, listen, I'm just telling you, that's the parable. What did you do with what I gave you? Well, you know, I tried. You tried? What you, you gave me an what, what do you mean you tried? Well, you know, it just seemed like I didn't have this, and if I'd have had this, I would have been able to, and, you know, if I had a projector and, project, and sound would have been pretty good, and lights would flash, I think we could have gotten a couple more people if that would. We'd had that. That would have been good. God's saying, look, look, look. I gave you some keys. Keys unlock doors. That's why hell's called gates, and you have keys, because keys can unlock every door hell has, if you'll understand that. I've given you my name, Jesus said. I've given you the power of death, hell, and the grave. So I'm going to come stand, so God's going to say, you're going to go and tell Jesus of everything he's done. He calls you into the ministry to serve in the rest of your life, and you're going to tell me you didn't do anything? You're going to tell me with everything you started with, you started ahead of everybody else, you didn't have to win the battle. All you got to do is administer it. It's already won. And you're going to tell me that you didn't do anything in your life and you didn't explode something. And you know what? I don't care what my church is going to do. I can at least walk down the street and win my city just by myself. I can go to my neighbor's. Get your butt up and start doing it yourself. Quit complaining on who's not doing it because they're going to follow the leader. See, my church knows I win souls. That's why they do it. They know I do that. I can point to them. So I'm an example, not just a preacher of example. I'm an example. You need to be that example and you need to produce because God's going to say, I gave you something. Show me. Show me what you got. Show me what you did with this anointing. 
Show me what you did with an anointing that breaks every back of every demon. Show me this anointing that can cause legions to run back to hell screaming. Show me with this anointing how you can upset every kind of spirit in your city because you walk to town. It's like the apostles. Show me. I want results. I want results is what God says. So this thing of just kind of, I think I'm just going to maintain. I think I'm just going to do okay. Uh, I'm doing the best that I can. The best you can better be results. Because an effort is not good enough. I'm not talking about for me, for God. So my staff meeting, I just sit and I listen to testimonies as it goes around the room. I hear stories of what God is doing because that's the way it should be. What's your latest story? What story do you have new? Who did you talk to last week? What happened in that meeting? Isn't it amazing that you were the best of the crop that he felt to choose to stamp his call on? Were you delivering? What are you doing? I pray you have some results because one day we will have to give an account of that. So I really want to, I, hey, I, this is a heavy word, but this is a Jesus word. It's, this really is Jesus' word. It, what it is, it's a wake-up call, folks. It's a wake-up call. I want to wake the church up. I want to do it. Let me, let me just, I'm going to pray for you in a minute. I want to share just a few things that are in the back here. And, and if you get a couple of these, there'll be some discounts and stuff like that. This leadership, champion leaders, was a couple thousand um, leaders that I spoke to. Uh, this has about every, this would be something that, um, I, I know you want a Starbucks card, and that's important. But if you really want to invest in, you got to invest. I, what I did when I was coming up, I, I wanted to invest in my ministry and a lot of the things, of uh, making sure I paid my Netflix, stuff like that. I, 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 that, that was not going to do anything to propel me into results. Uh, you want to see 40 years, 30, 40 years of leadership is on here. Uh, I think there's this in CD and DVD form. Uh, this is 10 devotionals here called Inspire You. I do a little a TV thing here. I have a TV, TV program, but this is like a devotional thing. This is something like you use with your leaders, hit a five-minute, little five-minute thing, or it can give you ideas to show something or some ideas of messages, too, of those, those different areas. And then, you know what, Pat? I don't know if you saw this, Pat. I did a, a DVD video on uh, teaching people how to give altar calls. I don't, I don't uh, see people giving many altar calls a lot of times where I go, so it's called Back to the Altar. Our TV program's called Back to the Altar. Uh, we're in all Northern California. They can be viewed by 7 million people, our program. And um, uh, what I do is, is an instructional video showing altar calls at our church, showing me giving altar calls, because it seems like a lot of people, Pat's a tremendous altar call giver. That's, that's his anointing really hits, as you know, you've all had, had it's real strong. When he gets at altar, there's something that kicks in on his life that's very, very strong. And probably that's on Nate. I hadn't seen Nate, but I'm sure Pat, that Nate, that, that my son has that. He has this breakthrough and goes after it because he's been under that. So I'm just saying, you know what? Sometimes you're with a pastor. This is why I do this. Sometimes a pastor is more of a teacher. It's okay. Uh, it's more of that. But we need to see lives change. So this is a, this is a, a cool thing, I think, that's new that we have. Uh, why don't we stand? Let's stand because we've got to close right now. Bow your heads, bow your heads. How many of you, how many of you in this place would say, uh, you know, Pastor Glenn, I, uh, I realize there's so much more that God has for me to do. I really feel convicted. I feel like I need to step it up. I need to move to another level. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. I want to pray. Yeah. 
Why don't you start asking him? Your preachers, go and, go and ask him. I'm not going to say anything. Go ahead. Tell me you need to step it up a little bit. If you're doing some warfare, you need to step up a little bit here. I know I'm not, I'm not talking to a Baptist group, I don't think. I, I'm, I'm talking to some people that sound like cats instead of lions here. David's men had the face of lions. There was, a, there was something they had in them that were not going to be denied. You're not going to be denied any longer. That thing that has been there stopping you, confront it right now and say, shut up, devil, and you're going to get out of the way. Come on, start taking authority over this fear. I bind this fear that you've been dealing with. I bind all of this trepidation you've been dealing with. I bind this insecurity. I bind this rejection. I don't care what happened yesterday. This is a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day for you. It's a new dream for you. Pick up another dream and say, God, do this one for me. I learned from that one, but God, I'm going to another level. Come on, begin to pray. Come on, break down some walls that's been there. Break down some walls. I need an open heaven over the situation. I need to grow. I need to be better. I need to grow. I need to learn more. I need to study more. My discipline needs to go to another level. God, break me today. I don't want to be the same. I'm not leaving this conference the same. Going to another level. Going to another level. Thank you for listening. We pray that this word would sit in your spirit and transform you. For more information or to become a covenant partner with Mercy Seat Ministries and Evangelist Pat Karen Chatsline, you can log on to www.mercyseatministries.com.